0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name, Michael Kelly. Uh, My associate, my friend, my co-conspirator on this journey uh, into what has essentially become kaiju madness, Nathan Bear. What the heck is going on there, buddy? Oh, you know... uh... They uh, they let me out again. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, have, I have to promise to keep going to those meetings, but uh, well, no. <laughs> so far it's going
0: well. You know, I had to write the uh, the you know the mayor, and <laughs> he contacted the, the warden, and they let you out, and that's fine. Yeah, I think this worked for everybody. Just long enough so we could uh, record our uh, our thoughts and our feelings uh, concerning Frankenstein conquers the world.
1: A.K. Frankenstein versus Baragon. A.K. And what almost was King Kong versus Prometheus, Godzilla versus Frankenstein, Frankenstein versus Godzilla. Numerous, numerous. Yeah, there's there's titles. a lot
0: of this 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 movie <laughs> is like the 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 backstory to it is so. Unnecessarily complicated and, and goes and, and back to Willis O'Brien yeah, King Kong. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a huge game of telephone, like all these these versions of this script keep on like and, and it's exactly it did start with with Willis O'Brien and his idea to have King Kong come back mm. and, and fight Frankenstein, and eventually, as you said, it just led to all these different permutations, and eventually we got. Uh, Frankenstein fighting uh, Baragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is... Baragon is not to be confused with Barugon From the Gamera series. From the Gamera series. That is a different monster. Um, Who shoots rainbows. Yeah, shoots I rainbows. Uh... Baragon uh, is, is more of a kind of... I don't know if you call him like... He's got this sort of plated... Back and he's got a, a horn that, that glows and, and he, big floppy floppy ears yeah big old ears that kind of come up They kind of reminded me of King Caesar's yes. ears sort of like the first attempt at that yeah uh, but not quite as rabbit like and perky and perky exactly um, more floppy um, yeah but like Barragon is he's an interesting cat he's um, you know he was in this and then he was in Destroy All Monsters they wanted to have him as Godzilla's sidekick in um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, mm-hmm. but um, the suit was too wrecked at that point, so they just had it be Angulus uh, again. Yeah. So uh, he was supposed to be in that, and then he was gone for a very long time, and then he showed up again. Yeah. Uh,
1: His suit North. was used many a time, which is one of the reasons why uh, the disintegration happened. Uh, he was loaned to uh, the Superia Corporation... Or Ultraman,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, television episodes, uh, as was the Godzilla suit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so that's why you know, and his appearance in Destroy All Monsters is much like Varan is very yeah. much just sort of like a blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, all he can do is essentially just sort of crawl up to the yeah. camera and, and look up and sort of wave, and then he has to. Gorosaurus suit
1: was used in place of Baragon's suit. Uh, yeah, you know, ba- basically like a, a recasting because Baragon's suit was so beat up, it couldn't do the whole attack on Paris sequence, which is only a few seconds long, right. but it was that was too many seconds for that suit to last. So Gorosaurus was used to, somehow he learned how to tunnel and destroy the uh, Arche du Triomphe uh, yeah. in Paris.
0: But they still referred to it as Baragon.
1: Yeah, I think in the U.S. cut.
0: Yeah, well, in so. the Japanese version as well. Oh. So Baragon eternally mislabeled and misunderstood and abused and just, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and he's certainly abused at the end of this film. Definitely. Some, some definite <laughs> Baragon uh, punishment. He, he was built to be abused. It was a co-production. Yep. Between Toho Studios mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, American International. Yep. Um, Henry uh, G. Saperstein, um, the man who had found great success with distributing uh, Godzilla vs. The Thing, Mm -hmm. also known as Mothra vs. Godzilla, the the American release of that film. And what I noticed uh, watching this was the the voices and uh, the lip-sync was all very very well done, and, and and of the quality level of Mothra versus Godzilla, which I think has some of the best like you know voiceover work. Yes, and 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 great like performances in the actual acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at at one point, I clearly heard it was one of the you know one of the generals uh, talking to Nick Adams. And it was, that was the, whoever that person was, that was yeah. the voice of Kumiyama. Yes. And it stuck out like a sore thumb. It was yeah. just like, what, what, that's, but, that's yeah. the guy who did the Kumiyama's voice, yeah. you know, and a, a couple of other times in this movie. And I've heard that same voice before
1: in, like, Sonny Chiba movies, so it's right. clearly there's this small union, you know, of, like, voiceover actors, these unsung heroes, you know, excluding George Takei, right. uh, who, you know, just did all this great work. A few differences between the Japanese cut and the American cut are, uh, some of them are very subtle, because the overall story is kept intact, uh, but a few things uh, that I guess could not be translated and that we only see brief glimpses of, for example, uh, Nick Adams' character as teaching Kume Muzuno's character uh, American humor, which even in Japanese is not really that funny, and I don't even know who told Ishiro Honda and the screenwriters that this is like how American humor goes. Uh, but that, that's like kind of a small motif. And we really only see one of those situations in the dubbed version where like Kume Musuno is making a reference to, uh, like lassoing a bull. Yeah. When regarding to like how to get good meat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Uh, a whole other scene where like, they're talking about like putting something in a cup or a bowl is like
0: is cut uh, is
1: cut out. Uh, <laughs> one th- you know, and, and,
0: and I saw the American, uh, you know, yeah. dubbed version, and there seemed to me like there were several very awkward cuts and cuts where like. The soundtrack, which is cut and skipped yeah. to like you know the music was uh, later on or whatever, which is the most obvious yeah like grindhouse thing ever. Where it's like when that happens, that means a chunk of film has been cut out mm-hmm. because no composer is ever like, Now yeah, let's have this piece of music crescendoing and now cut immediately into this like you know soft little part." Yeah, yeah. that that won't be you know yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy or anything. So yeah, yeah, uh, I, I noticed that like three or four times and um
1: there was also more uh played with the boar that Frankenstein tries to eat. Yes. In the film there's actually like that boar, there's actually a, a scene where like it, you know, it's a big ass boar. Uh, you know, is like attacking some villagers or it's like on a kind of a rampage or something. Uh and that's cut out for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. yeah. I so, think that's it may have been a good may have been a good choice. Good choice because that boar does not look real it looks like oh a christmas ornament yeah or something that someone made yeah in, in like a arts and crafts yeah. thing and uh, at the community center on a weekend uh the sad part is
1: this you know compiles some of the best of ishiro honda's and superaya special effects and acting and some of the worst at some well, point yeah i mean I really, they
0: do, do some really interesting things in yeah. this movie Things that they they never did again. Yeah, and and the, you know there's relatively fewer uh, big action set pieces in this, or mm-hmm. they they somehow seem like kind of I don't want to say nullified, but like you know they're all they're all like in the woods and like small villages and things, so mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as big of the scale as something like Ghidorah, where they're like destroying you know downtown Osaka and yeah. it's like. You know, they're 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 fucking up these villages, yeah. but they're just they're kind of small, you know, huts and stuff and And the transitions
1: um, are more seamless between special effects, excluding the horse and the boar. There are these much more seamless transitions between the special effects and the action. A
0: lot of effort put into uh yeah, like establishing that there's humans there and and uh matching up like these are the humans that are about to get terrorized and then oh they get terrorized and a lot of uh, yeah, like a lot of blue screen stuff where it's incorporating actual actors into the footage yeah. of the stuff getting destroyed. And that is like, you're seeing that because it's like the mid-60s and they still have the money to kind of do those extra things. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a few years later when you're getting to like you know, Godzilla versus Megalon. It's just like it's fuck just, you. It's just nothing. <laughs> it you know. like, it's just
1: like, you know, <laughs> let point, point over to that space over there and right. we're going to cut to a monster blowing up Something. Right. So, yeah.
0: so, yeah, you can see them lavishing uh, sort of extra touches there. Uh, I did want to comment on the thing that, that a lot of people seem to sort of talk about uh, when mentioning, um, you know, Frankenstein versus Baragon, uh, aka, you know, Frankenstein conquers the world, and that is the, the octopus sequence at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the American investors, a fellow by the name of Bennett, uh, really loved all the the octopus stuff in King Kong versus Godzilla, mm. and he was like, "You like I don't care, like you, we will not give you our money, mm-hmm. uh, Honda, unless you put Frankenstein fighting a uh, an octopus, or the, if unless you bring back the octopus." Yeah. And uh, Honda was like, "But you know, he's in the middle of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would a giant octopus?" You know, and I think it's sort of funny because Honda used the argument that it was ludicrous that an octopus would be in the woods. Yeah, and it's like yeah, so it's not quite as logical and sane as a giant Frankenstein walking around. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so but,
1: but the- at least they they worked it into the story in a way where it would make. A little sense. Yeah. Whereas The Octopus, in their case, I mean, you have to remember, while the Japanese movie system was, like, at a great height at this point, the American movie system was going nowhere. This is, like, right before Easy Rider and, um, you know, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, like, came out and, you know, bitch-slapped Hollywood, you know, into, like, making really good movies. This is like when Hollywood is still thinking, you know what people would really like? Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra. They'd love it. Let's put a lot of money in it and watch it all go away.
0: Yeah. Um, So Honda agreed to it, even though he thought it was crazy. And he filmed the scene with the octopus. And, you know, he filmed extra scenes with, like, Nick Adams. And, uh, you know... Tato Takashima like reacting to the octopus showing up, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they showed it to the American investors, and they're like, "You know what? This is insane. Yeah, you can't you can't use this." And you know, it's funny to me because like I, I I forget where, but I have seen this this you know this cutout uh, you know octopus uh, mm-hmm. alternate ending, and it is insane because like the octopus just comes. Out of nowhere, you know, and it's really uh, the most tacked on thing, like the most obviously tacked on thing you've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. It's like if RoboCop, after defeating Ronnie Cox, then stumbled onto, like, said, you know, what's your name, son? And then he says... Murphy. And then, if he just sort of opened up the doors, and if there would have been a breakdancing competition going on on the roof of OCP, <laughs> and Robocop was like, okay, I don't know how to breakdance, but let's do this or whatever. You know, like it's that tacked on where it's like, wait, wait a minute. Why, yeah. why, why, is, why is Robocop breakdancing right yeah, now? You know, let's... same thing was like, why is Frankenstein fighting an octopus now? This is just, this, there's, no, there's no allusions to it. There's yeah. certainly nothing in the movie that hints at the fact that a yeah. giant octopus has been stalking Frankenstein the whole time. So, so, this was cut out, uh, and I think, for the better of the film, they took photos of it while they were making it, and there the some photos of it showed up. Uh, in an issue of uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland, mm-hmm. and that confused a lot of people for for years. Who were like, well, well you know, they saw these pictures, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, now there's this movie where Frankenstein fights an octopus, yeah. you know. And they went to see Frankenstein Conquers the World, and you know, there, no such scene was in there. So it was very, very confusing. Finally, in like 1983. Um, they got a hold of like a VHS tape that that someone in Toho had like kept this ending mm-hmm. uh, on, and they they uh, they cleaned it up and they put it on the uh, laser disc version hmm. of and uh, like the international VHS edition or whatever. But they they just put that on as the ending, and they didn't. It wasn't like an alternate ending. They just swap that in as the ending. And so the original ending wasn't even on there anymore. It was only only the octopus ending. So Baragon just disappears? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, what what happens is Frankenstein tosses Baragon's body off of a cliff and Mm -hmm. then an octopus just, like, jumps on Frankenstein and they fight for, like, an extra five minutes. And if if you look at the pacing, like, it's too much. Because, like, the last... The the fight at the end of this movie between Frankenstein and Baragon goes on for like a very long time and and yeah. like a long time in terms of like the mid sixties of you know Godzilla films when these these you know films still had a good pace and were still yeah. tight before you had just <laughs> stepped into the or slipped into the lethargy of like the Godzilla versus Gigant or like you know, Guzzle versus Megalon where they're just like, fuck it, let's have the last 35 minutes be the fight or whatever. Yeah. So like, you know, this is still like 1965. So for, for at that time, mm-hmm. you know, when you compare it to something like Monster Zero where like the end fight is like two minutes and 35 seconds or something. Yeah. The end fight in this is like really long. Yeah. So like to have that whole fight and then just to have Frankenstein fight a fucking octopus yeah. for an, an extra five minutes... You know, that's not necessary. <laughs> uh and it's yeah, it's it's exhausting. So like eventually Tokyo Shock. They got their hands on it and they they you now have the you know, the original American cut has been restored with the non octopus ending mm-hmm. and then the uh the Japanese cut without an octopus in it. And then I guess the weird international cut that was really just manufactured in 1983 and, yeah. uh, out of that doctored VHS footage of the octopus It's also on there. Uh, so that's yeah, that's what's going on with that. But I, I don't think they need an octopus at the end of this movie. Very um, few people do. Fukube did the music. Yep. Once again, yeah.
1: He, he kind of it's good music, but it's clearly. Boned in, yeah. you know, this is this is the moment, this is one of those moments where he's not unfairly compared to John Williams, where it's just like you you just, you know.
0: Yeah. This, I'm miming
1: masturbation at this moment. This is like kind of what
0: he's doing. This, this was the moment where Fukubei started to cash in his chips <laughs> on some of his older themes, and it was just sort of like, okay, this is like the eighth or ninth one of these movies that I've made. You know, and and I would say there isn't a single memorable, distinct piece of music that he does in this whole movie. It all seems like slight variations on all yeah. things that have come before. So you and know, it's was, fine and everything, but uh, it's not it's not one of his more outstanding scores. He
1: was also pretty busy doing similar scores to other films like uh, The Eleven Samurai and. Uh, The Sleepy Eyes of Death. That's a kind of a pseudo-grindhouse, you know, series, like, pre-dating Zatoichi. Or, no, not pre-dating Zatoichi, but pre-dating Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. You know, just kind of part of that series of, like, long-running, like,
0: samurai exploitation films. Yeah. So, he was, you know, he was feeling a bit run-down, and you can kind of tell. This was the second film uh, from our good friends at Toho... In, that was being made in 1965 that had uh, Nick Adams and uh, Kumi Muzano. Because they were also in uh, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero
1: at the yeah. same time. And as we mentioned in that episode, yeah. you know, Nick Adams from Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, can't quite remember exactly how they convinced him to do this, but,
0: uh, you know. Well, they wanted to get the guy from The Fugitive, mm. who was very popular in Japan at that time. And he backed out at the 11th hour. Yeah. Uh
1: so um nick adams needed the uh, money so yeah you know. whatever they were smoking reefer excuse me right, reefer, right. What, what they were smoking in the 60s.
0: so he comes on board and he's he's 100 percent committed to it yeah you can't you cannot say that he phones it in just like on monster zero he's he's right there yeah. you know for along for, for the
1: insane ride so and that's what makes it so great because nobody is just like smirking, right? You know, or like can't keep a straight face when they do it. They they're in it to win
0: it. Um, and and then the cast is sort of rounded out by pretty much every. I mean, there were so many people that you recognize yeah. watching this film who even have just little bit parts. Yeah, and it's a lot of bit parts.
1: Uh, Ken o'hara has a brief moment as like the professor of uh, the. Museum, who they briefly talked to. And it's like, oh wait, that's the guy from Atragon. He now runs a museum. Um, Um, And then uh, Captain...
0: uh,
1: Kawaii. Kawaii. Is played by Yoshio uh, Tsuchiya. And uh, you may remember him from uh, Seven Samurai, where he played uh, Rikichi.
0: Uh, He had a bit part in Godzilla Raids again. Yep. Uh, And he's also in Matango. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's in a lot of stuff. He was in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Yeah. Um, and everyone, you know, fully committed, and and playing it deadly serious, which is what you need when the movie is about a Frankenstein the size of a Godzilla (laughs) fighting Baragon. you know.
1: From the ocean's unfathomable depths, a gigantic, man-like creature appears. (laughs) comes a prehistoric mastodon of destruction never before has the screen known such heart-stopping terror starring nick adams well i feel he's very important from a scientific point of view i'd have to cut off a leg or an arm doctors i won't let you conduct this test frankenstein with the strength of a thousand men. And every man's need for affection that makes him a willing captive. The chain hurts you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The new scoop of the century. The horrifying touch of a severed hand with a life of its own. The terrifying force of a monster that dwarfs man's tallest structures. This movie starts off in 1945 uh, in you know you know some Bavarian province that's being shelled by you know shells the allies uh, yeah but being shelled by the allies and we go to this uh, be- deliciously creepy uh, gothic house that's being uh, you know attended by a mad scientist and without any dialogue um, yeah. this scientist is working. Uh, You know, all this equipment seems to be focused around this heart that's beating in this kind of briefcase-like machine that he then locks up. Uh, Some Nazis come in, you know, some officers and, you know, uh, I guess uniformed personnel come in. Uh, They salute. Uh, They hand him a piece of paper, which only he knows what's there. He, like, briefly puts up a, you know, kind of a fight or some resistance but you know eventually it's just like well i mean (laughs) you know i'm just going to give up so they take this heart out of this uh war zone then you know cut to a submarine that's uh, being loaded uh with this device
0: and and the people who are in the submarine are all german
1: yes this is a nazi uh, it's a nazi thing submarine so they put in the u-boat
0: uh
1: and then we see like kind of like a pre-indiana zone indiana jones sequence of you know there's the map showing where exactly the submarine is superimposed over footage of the submarine sailing and then around the indian ocean
0: guess, so it goes from germany to uh the
1: indian, indian ocean. ocean i think it was like either off of madagascar or sri lanka it meets up with a japanese submarine right um uh and then they hand off the submarine to the japanese crew the German submarine is immediately shelled by the Allies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the Japanese really submarine. Just in time. Yeah, and the Japanese submarine, which looks identical to the German submarine, you know, just, you know, skip doos out of there. The heart is taken immediately to Hiroshima, where it's uh, examined by a uh, scientist played by um, Takashi Shimura from the original Godzilla as Dr. Yamane, and also, you know, Kambe from Seven Samurai um and you know, the captain of the boat that hands it to him is uh captain uh kawaii you know played by yoshio uh su uh suchi yeah <laughs> my apologies um anyways so um one slight difference is in the japanese version the japanese look at this heart and be like oh i didn't know the germans were so creepy or something like that uh that's not in the american version uh but uh Shamora's character explains that, you know, with this, you know, ever-beating heart to Frankenstein, uh, we, you know, we will know the secrets to, you know, how how to, you know, keep people alive longer.
0: So they get this heart, and they put it into what looks like a covered body, uh, but it does look like they're transplanting it into a, into a body. Um, which I don't even think is in the American cut. They um, just immediately... Well, this... Well, yeah, I, I'm. T- you know, I, all I watched was the American cut. Yeah, and there is there is they're they're putting it into something. Like they take it out of the case and they put it into something, mm-hmm. and it's on an operating table. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's Hiroshima, 1945. Yeah, and this is exactly
0: the, when. The, we, the, yeah, the way it's done is like crazy because it's like you're watching this scene, and you know they they have the dialogue from the scene, and like you you see that it's. I think that like they, they cut to they establish that it's Hiroshima or anyone mm-hmm. who who knows Hiroshima knows that they I think they are in the fucking atomic dome. Uh, yeah, and, like like I or think like a building similar in to that, that. building, yeah. or they're like next door because it's like
1: which is that's a famous that's the one building that survived the blast,
0: right? Um, um, but like they so they have that little scene where the guy talks about oh this is Frankenstein's you know heart and. The monster, like if we figure out the secret to immortality, we could heal our soldiers, we could cure death, blah blah blah, and here we go or whatever. And only then it's it pulls out and um you know it kind of re, it reestablishes and it says August sixth, nineteen forty five. So you know, and anyone who knows their history is like, oh fuck, and yeah. it's exactly the next thing is you know the Enola Gay comes over. And, uh, you know, the bomb is dropped and it's, it's great, you know, obviously the, the city is, is destroyed by a a wall of of flame and it's crazy watching a Godzilla movie with the bombing of Hiroshima in it, you know, like in a weird way, it's like not even coming full circle, but it feels, I felt, this is the only time I've, I've watched a Godzilla movie and felt uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, it watching it. You get a scary bad taste in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, exactly. And it's not so much that it's in bad taste, it's just uh, you know, it it's horrifying because that was a real event. Yes, yeah. you know, many people died during that and, you know, we're not here to debate the merits of, you know, bomb good or bad, you know, just people died. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we'll say. So the fact that they were I guess appropriating this actual horrific event into a Godzilla film. And the fact that, you know, it was the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki that inspired the Godzilla movie uh, series, Um, you know, it just, it kind of brings it in a way kind of full circle. Um, Yeah. So, so crash cut to 15 years later in Hiroshima which would make, even though this film is made in 1965, that would make this 1960. Um, Nick Adams and Kumi Musuno, uh work in the new Hiroshima that's been, you know, rebuilt. rebuilt. You know, the uh, Japanese economy began to boom in the 50s, um, similar to the way that China is now. Um, just you know, a mass amount of produce uh, or products were being created in Japan, uh, as well as, you know, the new scientific frontiers. And uh, uh, Nick Adams and Kume Muzuno play scientists who, as they say, uh, are studying the effects of radiation on victims, older victims now, of the uh, bombings of Hiroshima.
0: Yeah. So um, um, They are joined by uh, Dr. Uh, Kawaji, who is played by uh, Tato Takashima. Uh, who you may remember from uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla as as Sakurai. Mm -hmm. He also starred in Atragon as uh, the peddler. Yes. (laughs) Uh, uh, During that episode, I I said mistakenly that I thought that was his only other uh, starring turn in a Toho science fiction epic, and I was dead wrong because he is one of the stars of this. And uh, his character has some very interesting sort of... uh, you know, peaks and peaks, valleys yeah. uh, as as far as motivations and sort of the extremes that he goes to and his plans. And is he with the team? Is he not with the team? Uh, you know, sort of like... Uh,
1: we can all agree it's better than King Kong
0: 2005. Yeah, well, sort, <laughs> sort of like Yoshio... Uh, Tsuchiya's character in Son of Godzilla, where yes. it's like he was crazy when the script called for him to be crazy, but the rest of the time he's normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, basically they established that, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Kawajiya along with Nick Adams and Kumi Muzuno are scientists. They're working at this new Hiroshima Institute. Um, and, you know, it, it has sort of their daily routine... Um, they're visiting with some patients, and, and, you know, one of the patients is a girl who's about 20, I'd say 15 to 20 years old, mm-hmm. and they sort of say offhand that, like, her, both of her parents were killed, and now she is is getting weaker and weaker mm. from the radiation poisoning. So, again, really uh, brutally serious yeah. stuff.
1: While this is going on, Kume Musuno goes home at night in the new Hiroshima, and, uh, uh character actor pops out claiming, you know, uh, this boy just ran off. He 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 killed my dog and then took it with him. He's probably going to eat my dead dog.
0: Yeah, and, you know. like Again, to take it right back to Hiroshima, he talks about how after the war, people were starving and, like, just running around, scavenging for whatever, and slaughtering and eating dogs. Yeah. Like, he just kind of shares this with, with Kubi Musuno as an aside or whatever. Yeah. He's like, so that's what's happening, you know. Yeah. Which is crazy, but uh Kimi Mizuno kind of like walks around and she she looks through uh far away, she can see some bushes or whatever, and she can kind of see these these eyes, yes, uh, looking looking at her or hungry whatever. eyes Hung, hungry eyes or whatever, um you know and later we we find out these are the eyes of of uh, the Frankenstein monster who yes. oh, uh, at
1: this point is still just a
0: kid, yeah.
1: Um, yeah,
0: he's played by, he's played by a young, uh, another actor, uh, when he gets a little bit older, but, yeah. um,
1: but, um, so she, uh, has, uh, ends up having dinner with Nick Adams, you know, apropos of them being friends, uh, Japanese version, he teaches her some kind of American joke, uh, which makes no sense, but, you know, it's nice to see them two eating together and they seem to have like a very nice, comfortable, uh, work and possibly love relationship between the two of them Mm -hmm. uh well uh they hear a car screech outside and they look down and they see the frankenstein kid He's been hit part of a hit and run where a taxi hits him and uh it just drives off um, kind of odd. Like, she doesn't really go out to help him. She throws a bag of food
0: yeah. out the window. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, okay, he, he's got it. All right, let's go back to bed. I, for some reason, I got reminded of the episode of Seinfeld where George throws the marble rye up to Jerry. Um, but that's the reverse. It's only throwing food up to a window. But uh, my encyclopedic knowledge of, of Seinfeld sort of kicked in there. Uh, but anyways... uh. Yeah, they she throws down this this package of food to this guy, which I thought was sort of weird that they weren't like they didn't run down and like see if he had any. Like, yeah, because they are these or, are like, doctors, like, yeah. these
1: are medical professionals. I could kind of understand if like the scientists in previous films didn't <laughs> run because it's like no, we have to call nine one one. We are not trained to handle this specific
0: area of science. Well, yeah, these uh, guys are medical doctors. Yeah. <laughs> and so she just throws them down like a little <laughs> basket of like biscuits. <laughs> And you know tea cakes or whatever <laughs> you know, for all they know he could be leading there it's raining outside, dying of internal bleeding and whatever oh, what is this a fig Newton <laughs> thank, that's really going to help my brain hemorrhage thank you kumi Muzuno basically it cuts to uh i well, I've read on Wikipedia it's supposed to be like a year later, but there is no indication that any time other than like it is now daytime and that was nighttime when that happened has passed. So, if if you're watching this, it's it's the next day. If I recall in the Japanese
1: version, they make like some kind of transit, or like some like pop up, you know, just like one year later, or something like that, or like that would have been some useful, indication yeah. of time passing, mm-hmm. and then we find them, I believe, on the beach, right? And they're like, you know, having a nice, you know, Nick Adams Kumimasu no inter, interracial dates on the beach, <laughs> kind uh, of which is, uh, you know, interrupted immediately by. Uh, Leave a bunch of police officers and angry village men with pitchforks yeah. and samurai swords. Uh, this part I cave. do
0: appreciate because they're chasing after, quote, Frankenstein, yes. unquote, who is now, he looks like he's like a teenager or whatever. And, um, but uh, it should be said that Frankenstein has the flat Frankenstein head, like the yeah. Boris Karloff looking face. <laughs> he doesn't have bolts in his neck, but uh, it's sort of implied that he's been made by either. Like he was his heart was put into a regular person, and like the, I guess the flat head sort of came with that. It's all very strange yeah, and, and it's sort of a mystery surrounding like how he came to be in this movie, and why it wasn't Frankenstein's brain, right. or why it was his heart or something um, like that he they do keep in the tradition of the having the angry villagers with pitchforks and torches chasing him, which I appreciate very, very much. Um, they're chasing him up to this mountain, and luckily, Nick Adams and Kumi Musano were on the beach, and they just they happened to. It's <laughs> just like the strip rider put them uh, there. Yeah, specifically. exactly. <laughs> it makes no sense because they're like seconds away from 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 slaughtering him, or so they think. Like he would probably just kill all of them because he can't really be killed. But like, basically, uh, Kumi Musuno's like, wait, you know, don't hurt him or whatever. And hard cut to everyone. Back in the, like, uh, the, oh, yeah. the Institute, and, like, now everyone, including Frankenstein, has, like, a medical, like, coat, coat. on. And, and they're, they're watching all watching teeny like, boppers shake right. their
1: buns on television. Yeah, it's they're, all, yeah. They, listening to, uh, Rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, being all Sun
0: tribey. Right, and, and they're holding, like, a little press conference about, like, oh, he can be taught. He can and, be taught. and, like, you know, this guy, he's very important to science. And um, you know, we can rehabilitate him and he's you know, he's very nice and everything. Just, you know, can't, you know, take pictures of him, but don't take pictures of him that are really bright. Yeah. Enrages him, which is a direct reference to King Kong. Yeah. And that that is made explicit later Yeah. In. Um but he the
1: problem is he keeps getting bigger.
0: Yeah. There's there's like he gets larger, as he gets larger. His sex drive increases, and um, these scenes at the institute are intercut. at At some point, we go to there's a uh, um uh, an oil refinery uh, that the captain from the from the beginning of the movie, who was sort of helping. Yeah, Captain Kowei. Captain Kowei is uh, he's working at that now because it's post war and there's it's, you know just.
1: Needed to get away from a military career, needed something more solid like the oil industry.
0: Exactly. So, um, and there is what appears to be an earthquake at this oil refinery.
1: And this is just like a pet peeve note, is the fact that this man (laughs) survived the bombing of Hiroshima, all right? He was there when it happened. And uh, someone is interviewing him about the Frankenstein heart that they believe had something to do with this boy. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, oh, yes, I remember that day, you know, clearly. You know, and, and like, how offhanded that comment is. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember
0: the day a million people were wiped out within seconds yeah, it's pretty sloppy yeah because it's like it, what it, well, what it's doing is re-establishing who this character is yes and why you know why he may be familiar to us yes and that might be
1: just the english dub i haven't seen the japanese version in a couple of years so I,
0: I do agree with you that this it's very suspicious yeah that he would be talking about that exact piece of information when this new incident yeah occurs uh, and again, it looks like uh, an earthquake. You know, he, he manages to get off the the oil rig uh, before it collapses, falls into the ocean, and he
1: briefly sees what seems to be some kind of horned lizard.
0: Yeah, horny lizard. Yeah, he sees the earth open up. Yes, and uh, in the middle of this sort of small village that's next to the uh, the oil refinery deal. And and he gets a brief glimpse of, of I mean, it's Baragon. Uh, Baragon just kind of pops his head up and pops it back down. And it's done in sort of a spooky way, which is they don't really film kaiju in a kind of sneaky or scary way in yeah. a, any other time in, like, all of these movies. Yeah. It's just sort of like Baragon's, like, it has almost a sort of stealthy intelligence in this scene, which is not present elsewhere yeah in these i films. think maybe
1: in or the gargantuan's which we will discuss next time
0: yeah
1: uh there, there are some moments of that but it's really these two films which do it right it's very lacking in the other ones even though these are considered horror films right like there is no like thrilling element to the horror
0: so he sort of sees Barragon, but maybe he doesn't he's not quite sure he tries telling people about it. They don't really believe him. Cut back to the Institute. The hilarious misadventures of uh, the uh, the young Frankenstein, I guess. <laughs> and uh, Kumi Muzano and Nick Adams continue. Uh, they, we have a scene where Frankenstein is watching some more teeny bopper videos. And one of the guys uh, on TV like screams and it pisses him off. So he does his best impression of Tommy Wiseau at the end of the room. You know, he grabs the TV and he's like, Why, Lisa? Why? You betrayed me! I fed up with this world! And he throws the TV out the window, and you see it, just like in the room, smash on the pavement. And I was like, yes! You know, even though it's a small scale, we're still getting destruction. This is great. And then he, uh, Frankenstein, sort of looks over and sees Kumi Muzano and the way that this is filmed... I'm sorry. It just looks like he's just staring at her tits. Yes. And, and and he kind of walks over to her, and still just eyes deadlocked right there in the middle of her chest. And you like again, I start getting uncomfortable because I'm like, is he like gonna try and do something sexual here, or what the fuck am I looking at? And he kind of comes in. At the last second, and Nick Nick Adams noticed this as as well, and uh, he grabs a stool and he makes like he's going to like break it over Frankenstein's head because like Kimi Musano's, like sort of freaking out and she's yeah. she's obviously creeped out uh, by this new development. Yeah. And uh, at, Frankenstein, at the last second he kind of puts his hand up towards that area, and then he scoops her necklace away from her neck, and he's just sort of looking at the necklace it's like, "Oh, it's shiny yeah, he's like, "Oh, he likes it' because it's shiny or whatever the old oh, what a lovely necklace you have there, man. I do enjoy looking at it. Let me continue doing that for the next five seconds <laughs> trick um so yeah, the uh At this point, everyone sort of looks around like, well, that could have been bad. You know, Nick Adams puts the stool down, and they're like, we should probably put him in a cage now in the basement. feed him a bucket of fish heads every week.
1: This is where it turns into King Kong, uh, because he keeps growing, and they, you know, have to put bigger shackles on him in a bigger cage. And then comes, like, the... You know, there's actually, like, uh, throughout this film, there's actually a a legitimate question of
0: money and resources. Yeah, more so than any other kaiju movie. You hear characters talking about logistics in this movie and, like, breaking shit down into tables and, like, budgets and, like, can we afford to do this? Which was fascinating to me. I was like, this is really... Ah, uh, interesting. You know,
1: <laughs> it makes them a lot more human, and yeah. I think a lot more believable. You yeah. know, unlike Brian Cranston, uh, oh, oh Brian, oh no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the fact is is that you know there there becomes the the fact that he is getting bigger, and the hospital no longer has the resources to contain him, and that maybe they might have to put him in a zoo. Yeah. Uh, fortunately they never have to uh figure that out because
0: when they they well they first we have a scene with uh Peter Mann, yes, who is portraying Doctor Sorry who is portraying Doctor uh Reichendorf, who is essentially the mad scientist. He looks like Doctor Wiley from the Mega Man video yes, games. Yes. But he was the scientist from the beginning of the movie that they stole Frankenstein's Frankenstein's heart from. Yes. And he is full of all sorts of very useful exposition mm-hmm. uh, concerning the fact that Frankenstein has been murdered. Specifically, he doesn't say kill. He's been murdered hundreds of times, but he keeps coming back to life. And also that you can separate a piece of Frankenstein's body and a new Frankenstein. Well not sorry. You can you can cut a limb off of him, uh, and not only will he grow the limb back, but the limb that's still around, as long as is as, as long as it's supplied with enough protein, will grow backwards and retro grow another Frankenstein out of that arm. Just like bros at a gym. Uh, so <laughs> uh, keep that in mind. You know, you, you got to keep an eye on that protein and, intake. That, that protein intake and. Uh, immediately sort of what happens is they go back to the Institute. And they have the moral debate. It's like, should we to figure out, should should right. we
1: cut off an arm to experiment? And Kume Musuno brings up humanist question uh are you fucking crazy what if he doesn't grow it back uh, right we're well, going maiming
0: <laughs> the, the, you know the script poses a couple of very interesting moral dilemmas and then instantly has the god of the machine solve them without any real debate or or yes. any necessitation of the characters making difficult actual decisions yes. many deus maki uh many many uh because like they're you know uh tato takashima is is leaning towards? That, well, he attempts it, it. He attempts it. He's going downstairs to do it,
1: but I think. a TV crew crashes his party um, and disturbs Frankenstein. Uh, while you know, because they have a permit to film him, and the director is nuts, maybe even uh, representation of Hushiro Honda himself uh, <laughs> trying, you know, putting on these lights, these big, you know, uh, Fernell lights onto Frankenstein, who is now much bigger. Uh, he becomes upset and breaks free, yeah. uh, and then everyone has to run away. The police are called, uh,
0: and uh, fire extinguishers are uh, are, are brought, used. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. They and was I incorrect that they they show sort of some of the people from the lab have been killed? And yes, their yes, dead the, bodies In fact, are just the TV the wreckage. Cu- it's the TV the TV crew. Yeah, thank God. Uh, which was sort of horrific yeah (laughs) because they're just sort of laying there dead yeah and uh which is sort of unique to this movie like you don't see dead bodies in wreckage of characters that were just alive like that that never happens in these movies so again another weird sort of unique deal but so now they don't have to make the decision to, yeah. Uh, you know, to cut the arm off because he's it escaped. turns out that's how he escaped. He escaped yep. by tearing, like pulling his arm off, or whatever. That whole thing was weird for for many reasons, uh, and I'm just going to talk about all of them right now. First of all, he definitely has both arms when he escapes. Okay, yes. so he's not in the chains anymore, and you see him sort of pull the thing off when he's when he's escaping. Yeah. That's number one. Now, number two they later on like the next scene or like two scenes later, there's sort of a pursuit and, and Frankenstein kind of goes, he tries, he goes to Kumi Musuno's apartment yes. and he's so tall that he can just kind of stand up and his chin is up where her balcony is. And, you know, she tells him to run away or not run away or something. She, she wants to protect him, but he's yeah. like, he, he basically is not meant for this yeah. world and he sort of runs away just like all college graduates. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And so there's that. But then they're investigating the scene of the escape, and they're like, oh. And they look down at this chain, which is the size of, like, a human hand. Yeah. Like, like it could chain a human arm and a human hand. now, when Frankenstein broke out, he was, like, the size of King Kong. Yeah. You know, he was quite big. And they, they showed that chain. And I don't know if they were trying to imply that it was the same chain. But the chain that he was wearing when he broke out was obviously, like, Ten times bigger, so maybe yeah. they want, didn't want us to think that hard. Whatever, but they do go to the trouble of you know they're investigating and they're like, well, you know, maybe a piece of them fell off, and you, they have they find this this hand
1: that's animated, that's or, animated, not, not, not like physically animated, but is a animated living on its own
0: hand. Yeah, it's it's a robot hand, and um. It sort of crawls. It yeah. looks sort of like a the thing from the Adams family. Yes. And I have no way of proving this or knowing this, but I'm pretty sure they took the same hand and just threw a police glove over it and made it into the toy that Enshiro has in Godzilla's Revenge when he oh, turns that yeah. thing on and says, "Support your local police. Support your local police." Yeah. The most insane part of a very insane movie. Yes. The hardcore Godzilla fans will know exactly what I'm talking about and be like. No, uh you know but i think i'm pretty sure that's just the same prop because it does the same thing it just sort of opens and closes the point is they have a frankenstein hand okay and also frankenstein is big now and he's missing yeah um and it and now sort of becomes uh a a you know a pursuit of frankenstein through mostly wooded areas there's a there's a lot of scenes where they're going to different like they go to Osaka they go to Hameji they're in a castle in Hameji uh, where you see two you know groundskeepers of the castle are sort of joking about oh a boy wouldn't give me any trouble ha ha, ha yeah or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we skipped over the part where, the, where they showed the pieces of the bunny rabbit. Oh yeah, which was
1: like horrifying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so
1: this is more. This time it's like a horse or horses yeah. or something like yeah. royal horses. Or
0: earlier in the movie, there's a scene where just like 20 kids run into a it's classroom bad. and just look down on the floor, and, and there's, there's this rabbit that's been that's been shrewd. It looks like they've just chopped him up with yeah. like big, thick, like wire cutters or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: pretty upsetting
0: it may be the most upsetting image in any of these movies
1: yeah i mean that's like the more the only thing more upsetting is when the mother is holding the children in the first Godzilla movie saying we're gonna be with daddy soon like this is
0: like at that level of just what the fuck i'm sorry to bring that up now because it was like 20 minutes ago in the plot (laughs) but um very very upsetting (laughs) uh but anyways now Frankenstein's much bigger and you know they've got Uh, Things are starting to go missing. Um, There is uh, sort of various attacks being made, but we don't know. Well, we know, but the authorities think that they're Frankenstein. But what's actually happening now is that at the same time that the Japanese Defense Force is trying to find Frankenstein, uh, Barogon. From the first act is back and now he's attacking villages eating eating horses yeah chickens well it can truly be said cows. that Bar- baragon is so hungry in this film he could eat a horse yes and he does <laughs> he eats a horse on camera yeah. uh it's, it's a little you know it's a special effects pony. Uh, yeah it's they, a model of a horse and it's it's very crudely sort of puppeted and then Baragon just sort of comes up to this, the, you know, the horse stall or whatever and knocks down the stall part and just grabs the horse and shoves it in his mouth. Yeah. And uh, you're watching but, and you're like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen, yeah. you
1: know? Now, the differences between Baragon and Frankenstein at this point is that Baragon is willing to eat people. And uh, naturally, when there are two monsters, uh, one of them is going to get blamed for something the other one did. And they... Assume that Frankenstein is now eating people and now must be destroyed. Did
0: you get the um, the idea that the village, or or um, I, I guess sort of the the nook, really because it's about five or six houses, yeah, that got destroyed. That, did you get the impression that Baragon ate everyone? in all those places because the thing is like they immediately blame Frankenstein cuz this Frankenstein thing is big news yeah, everyone yeah. in the country knows about it and it just seems strange to me that no one says oh no it wasn't Frankenstein it was this other monster with the horn that was like a reptile well
1: remember they tried to oh, the uh, the captain the former captain goes to uh, a news reporter with his story, because he's like, I thought I was crazy, but, you know, it must be this other creature, you know, because, uh, and, you know, Kume Musano Nick Adams explained that, you know, no, like Frankenstein, it, it would take him too long to reach this point. He was over here, you know, right. that's 60 miles away, even with his size, he could not reach that point in such time. Uh, you know, but the news reporter is like, oh, a horned monster. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right. I'm Jack Cassidy. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That um That's basically what goes down. So uh and then Frankenstein just happens to show up in the destroyed village, probably looking for food later yeah. and ends up in the giant cave that was used as a powder magazine during the war. Uh, you know, which Nick Adams and Kume Musuno uh explore.
0: Th- this is a really cool scene, because I think what we have in this scene, is the only time in any kaiju movie where the illusion of the kaiju is made in camera, on a real set in a real location with real actors. I, you know what I'm talking about. The shadow of mm. Frankenstein on that huge wall when they're yeah. The, yeah I think they they just used lights, and I think that was just the the actor who was playing Frankenstein. Uh, you know, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Koji. If you're a hot tub. Mm-hmm. I think he was just standing in the lights. I yeah. think they really shot that in camera and it was just like they made it look is like one of the oldest tricks in the book. Like yeah. just a big shadow, like, oh, and then like Nick Adams, Kumi Musano, and all the military guys running away from it. Yeah. Um that was really cool.
1: I mean, that would make sense. I mean, that is like, you know, shadow and light. I mean, that's just yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. That's how you make
0: a movie.
1: So and
0: that's how you save money. More and importantly, speaking of saving money, they're running out of funds, yes. as their many conversations allude to. Because this, like, you, you never
1: hear this in that many monster movies, where it's just like these are scientists, and they keep saying, you know, the hospital is not going to fund our project anymore. You know, they have the hand, they have the hand,
0: so they know, but they the can... hand
1: then dies.
0: Yeah, they, there's a while there where they're like, we have this hand, we can we can study the hand, so we can kill Frankenstein. But then the hand dies. Yeah. Exactly. So now it's... Or does it? Yes. <laughs> but they say the hand is dead, but it just sort of turned... This, the hand... I uh, remember this. The hand starts to turn sort of green. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. all right. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, while they're talking to, you know, when Captain uh, Kawaii comes in and is attempting to convince the authorities that this Baragon thing exists. They never call it Baragon, by yeah. the way. Um, but that it's this other monster. No one believes him. And he says he's very sad, but he's going has to go back to wherever. To work. He has to, to go back to he, he, work. He has to go back to work. And uh, he's talking to Nick Adams, and he's like, you know, guys, I'll come back and visit you as soon as I save up enough money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, yeah. And then so he, you know, pulls away, and... And then Nick Adams and Kumi Busuto and uh, Toto Takashiba are like, well, you know, we only have enough money to pay the bill at the hotel for, like, another day, and we don't have enough money, or, like, we have to do another helicopter run, because they're flying around in a helicopter trying to find Frankenstein. This this is
1: like if Mikio Naruse was directing a, you know, a a monster movie, this would be absolutely necessary because all his films are about people who are just getting by right you know, being a bar hostess or a geisha you know it's just like oh i'd love to do this with my life but i don't have the money yeah so this is like trying to add that kind of element to it's a monster really
0: crazy movie. But, um, uh, it works uh, um so now you have more sort of pressure on them that it's like okay have to find him. they're going around in their helicopter They're dropping out these care packages of food, which someone is eating, and then you see sort of the helicopter flies away. Sure enough, Frankenstein, who is now wearing sort of a... Jolly green giant. Jolly green giant sash made out of, like, boars and horses or whatever, you know, eagles, that he's killed. There's a scene where he throws a tree at an eagle to try and, like, swat it out of the air. And and it hits a house. it It bullseye's a house, and these guys are running away from it. Which is pretty great. But, uh, so, yeah, he, he gets the food. So he, you know, they know exactly where he is, I guess. And, like, he gets the food and he's eating it. And uh, they, I think, they they come down. It's like it's their last day or something. It's their mm-hmm. last chance. They have to find him. And so they the three of them go out into the woods. And they're closing in. Somehow they can tell that they're closing in and then Taro Takashima um aka Sakurai from King Kong versus Godzilla says you know what we need to we don't have the hand anymore we need to keep his heart and his brain alive yeah so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take these gas bombs and i'm going to blind him and that'll be the best way to to get him and then at that point i'll get his heart and his brain yeah Keep in mind, he's, he's at full Godzilla size at this Which point. Which means the heart is bigger yeah, the, than him. Yeah, the heart's bigger you than could like a swim,
1: You could swim through his veins right. at this
0: point. It's never really explained how he intends on really pulling this off. Nick Adams is like, this is crazy. You know, How, how are you going to be able to stop him? And he's like, like this. And he just grabs a grenade out of his backpack. And he runs out and he just like heaves it like 40 feet away. Yeah. And it blows up. And as soon like the area that it explodes, the Baragon just shoots yes. out of the ground. So like I guess Barragon was like sneaking up on them or yeah. just like sleeping underneath them.
1: And then this is almost uh, it, like a near shot by shot homage to the to Tyrannosaurus King, King yeah. Kong fight because you know they throw the bombs at Baragon and it doesn't really affect him too much and Kume Muzuno gets knocked out. Nick Adams goes to rescue her just as Frankenstein pops out stage left and stops Baragon from eating her. Yeah. So, yeah. So then begins, you know, the The, big long fight. The fight.
0: And the fight goes on for about 15 minutes. (laughs) It's just (laughs) these guys beating the shit out of each other. At one point, uh, Baragon, um, you know... Is it like he jumps? He does a lot of jumping. Yep. He shoots uh, his heat ray. He shoots his heat his his heat breath. Yeah. And it's it's the exact sound same sound effect as Godzilla's heat breath. Mm-hmm. His atomic breath, I should say, and it, it looks exactly the same except it's red. But yes. Godzilla's breath is blue. But um, other than that, it's he's basically fighting Godzilla. Um, so you know, Frankenstein decides to like our good friends Metallica fight fire with fire. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, so he goes back to his little cave and he grabs uh, a couple of trees and puts it into his bonfire and starts beating Baragon with these lit torches. And he also like lets he lights some of the trees on fire to create like a circle of death. Yes, to to to, to trap him and Baragon in in mortal combat at the same time. Uh, Frankenstein also manages to save Tato Takashima, who's been knocked out. He, he scoops him up and runs over and finds Kubi and Nick Adams, who are just going to abandon Tato Takashima yeah. to his death. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, here you go. And he sets him down in the middle of the road and then he doesn't actually say, here you go. He doesn't really talk at all in the movie. But uh, And then he goes back and continues fighting Bear God for like another ten minutes. And they're just beating the shit out of each other. And eventually... Frankenstein, he may not conquer the world, but he definitely conquers Baragon. He yeah. gets him in a headlock and I think either suffocates Baragon or breaks his neck.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh but he kills Baragon at the end of this fight, which is pretty pretty awesome. They're, they you know the the way this fight was filmed, they did some they sped up the film a few times. Yeah. And I think they were undercranked. They right? undercranked. Yeah. And um it's weird cuz it's like in every other kaiju battle, the suspension of disbelief, right? Yes, there cause, is there because you've got two guys, but they're both in suits. This fight, it really is just a guy in a suit fighting another guy. Yeah. So it uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of hard to just have the illusion of scale of scale because you every time you look at Frankenstein, it's just like, well, that's just a Japanese guy, yeah. fighting fighting this thing. So it's like.
1: That's not it, entertainment, it,
0: you know that's I think if there is a reason why this movie maybe didn't catch on or wasn't as insanely popular or or as popular as the other Godzilla films, I think that's it just the, yeah. like there's sort of this kind of laziness mm-hmm. <laughs> with with the idea that it's just it, it's
1: just a guy, whereas in the sequel or the gargantuan since both guys are in heavy makeup. It creates the illusion, you know, that they're monsters. Yeah, you don't see any, like, nothing that, like, could be mistaken for, like, human flesh is on their body, and thereby it creates the illusion that these are larger than life
0: Yes, Right, Right. you know. um, It's just, it's tough to watch the fight, and you're watching this being, you know, strangle Baragon, but he also has perfectly manicured fingernails. Yes. You know, it's just sort of, there's things that are just sort of like, what? So, um, anyways, he kills Barragan, And um, in the meantime, the forest has just become Dante's Inferno. Yeah. And it's really, it's a lot of fire. Possibly calling back earlier to the Hiroshima sequence. We don't know. Yeah. What I can say is, like, this is one of the most apocalyptic settings mm. uh, for a fight and fight that is certainly ever offered in one of these movies. I mean, it, it looks like they are in hell. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're watching the international cut on a <laughs> laser disc, this is the part where Frankenstein fights out octopus for, yeah. <laughs> for another five minutes. I think we've sort of exhausted that. Yeah, gone over that in, in exhaustive detail. Um, but, um uh, yeah. he
1: basically burns to death. Yeah, and he just... Implied...
0: He just kind of falls, like, there's an earthquake and he just sort of, like, falls into the...
1: Yeah.
0: hole. And uh all that you know.
1: Barragon fracking.
0: Just <laughs> Yeah. Um and Nick Adams and Tato Takashima are just like, you know, oh, he wasn't meant to live in this world, and Tato Takashima's like, well, you know, he'll never really die. He'll come back or whatever. A bizarre film. Um this was the this is the last kaiju film I hadn't seen mm-hmm. really from this time with giant monsters and like name brand
1: monsters. Yeah, yeah. And, like
0: Barragon. I don't consider, you know, Dolgera or that one with, like, the crab and the octopus. Yeah, the... I don't even know what it's called. Those are not real. Like, I'm talking about any monster that's ever fought Godzilla. Yeah, you know? or
1: been around Godzilla. Yeah,
0: around that time. And and so this was the last one of those that I hadn't seen, and I watched it yesterday. And, uh, you know, a lot of unique things in it, a lot of really interesting ideas, Certainly a very intense fight at Mm -hmm. the end. You know, I would recommend it. And, uh, yeah,
1: definitely good. Uh, I think War of the Gargantuans is better, but I think that's only because they made this film first, uh, similar to, like, how Kurosawa made Kagamusha, you know, in the 80s, basically to test if he still had it. And then he made Ron the year later, which is, like, the more appraised film. Yeah.
0: I, yeah oh. it, it should be stated that you know I don't want to get too much into the specifics of or the Gargantua's but that was the the sequel to this and yes. we'll talk more about that uh, during the next episode but sort of this this story and and kind of these characters are, are yeah. in a way continued over into that film
1: yeah and this is where they at like are at their peak with like miniature uh you know miniature and human you know compatibility yeah. you know the technology they had at the time to use and it's just breathtakingly beautiful
0: with the exception of the horse yes, and the boar and the which bowl. are inexcusably yes. awful <laughs> uh, for that brief second i thought i was watching a gamera movie yeah uh I didn't gamera. That's like elmo's world <laughs> yeah but it's okay because barrican eats a fucking horse in this yes. movie um so I think that about does it for Frankenstein Conquers the World, a.k.a. Frankenstein uh, versus Baragon. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our good friends at KaijuCast. Uh, National Podcast Day was uh, about a week and a half ago, and they uh, listed us as one of their uh, few podcasts that they listen to regularly, and that's very uh, nice of them to say, and we appreciate yeah, that. So. Definitely listen to their program as well, so you know, feel the love. Feel the love. It's all it's all good. It's all good, man. It's all good. It's energy. Yes. Um uh what am I what else? I guess uh we're oh over,
1: right, we're over hundred likes on Facebook. So thank yeah. you very much for giving us the likes and uh, the views keep coming. So uh, we're not sure who's been informing who, but uh, y'all have been great about you know giving us uh, a lot of attention, and we just
0: we just love basking in the glory. <laughs> so I will say, um, you know, check us out on on Facebook. At uh, the Godzilla Pod War Hour, check us out on Twitter. My n- name is Michael Kelly. And the handle is at Godzilla Pod War. We have a Twitter account. We may update it. You know, you, how else are you going to know if we updated it or not? unless you check out actually, exactly uh, exactly. Um, and of course, subscribe to us uh, on iTunes for free, and, and uh, you know, rate us, leave comments, you know, leave pictures and uh, and things, fan art, whatever. Um, you know keeping it going just yeah. keeping it, it all sort of works together um, Frankenstein's character arc in this film was uh, you know he was horny for Kumi Muzano and then enraged which is um, I can't blame him that's like my character arc for most days of the week yeah so just, uh... <laughs> you know Yeah. You know. he, he was not meant for this world yeah. or was he Just like... we'll see next week yeah.